On this episode of Of the Earth, we sit down with award-winning producer and director Violet Fung to talk about her most recent film, Hidden Letters, a documentary which follows two millennial Chinese women connected by their fascination with the secret language of sisterhood and their desire to protect it. Okay. I think I'm in now. First of all, it's great to meet you. Nice to meet you too. Hello. <laughs> We're just so excited to meet with you today and to have had the experience to watch your wonderful film. Thank you. Thank you so much. So Violet, do you want to tell us a little bit about your background as a filmmaker? Um, sure. I'm born and raised in China. Um, more specifically, I'm from Shanghai. And uh, I became a filmmaker because um, I'm always drawn to storytelling. And I had my journalism uh, training both in China and in the US. Um, so after I finished my graduate studies, I started making films. And uh, over the past 20 years, I've been dedicating myself to produce films, mostly uh, about contemporary China, um, social issue driven stories. And, and the last probably 10 years, I have been making a commitment of uh, producing for only female Chinese filmmakers because we don't have any <laughs> uh, in China. So I think that as a producer being the uh, we're in the heart of a producer, um, I can more efficiently kind of nurture more young voices as female voices, because I think that female filmmakers, especially from China, has a very different way of looking at issues or looking at stories. Um, so and, you know, like it was also very patriarchal um, industry. So with um, with the work that we're doing, um, we um have been releasing, you know, like multiple films, both in China and the U.S., which is, I think, to me, that's a very, um, very special accomplishment because a lot of times that films about China either is to feed the Western stereotypes um, or to, you know, like um, cater to the Chinese audience. It, rarely there are cases of films that can kind of, uh, connect to audience in both worlds. Mm -hmm. So that's what I'm dedicated with. Um, in that sense, I think it's very important to tell such stories so that, you know, people in China can also uh, hold accountable of, you know, what we're talking about and also finding a way to be seen in China so that it can also help to move the society in a better place. Mm -hmm. Can you talk a little bit about the film Hidden Letters as well as your inspiration for making this film. So we're really interested in also hearing about the history of Nushu and its origins. Yeah. So I, where do I start? Um, so there are two parts of the origin of the stories. Of course, there's the uh, part of the uh, origin of Nushu and also there's a part of origin of the film, you know, for, for Nushu, I have heard about it uh, about 17 years ago from Lisa C's book, Snowflower and the Secret Fan. Um, and ironically, um, one of my producer's mom, who is Chinese and based in Norway, also read the same book around the same time. So since then, she has been pushing my producer from Norway, who's half Chinese, half Norwegian, to make a film about Yushu. But it only took, I don't know how long, uh, 
10 years <laughs> that um, before she connected with me. And I, when I read a book, I was remembering that um, it gave me a lot of goosebumps of the novel that based on the secret language, because I, as a Chinese woman born raising China, I knew that, you know, in the history of Chinese literature, there's little records of women. Um, and I was fascinated by it and then couldn't believe that this is part of our history and I didn't know about it. And I know that if I didn't know about it, majority of the Chinese people don't know about it. Um, so, and I, I remember feeling kind of ashamed of as a Chinese woman that I um, didn't grow up knowing that this is part of my history. So when, um, when my producer uh, came to me, um, actually, uh, Meta reached out to my other producer in the US, Jane Chen, who's been my longest mentor in the film industry. Both of them reached out to me to make a film about Yushu. And at that time, I um, was living in China. I moved back to China um, and got married and have a kid. So that was a time that I had first you know account experience about as a woman as a young mother of what it means to be a woman in contemporary China and I had a lot of thoughts about that and also there's a lot of uh, kind of revived kind of pressures uh, for women in different kind of aspects that I really started to feel kind of in a way of not familiar with that before um, as how I was growing up so when they when they came to me of making a film about Yushu my instant um uh, feeling is that if there's a way we can connect that history with what's going on in China today and women's experiences in China today, then that's a film I want to make. Mm -hmm. We are introduced to two women living in different regions of China. Uh, Hu Xin lives in a village in southern Hunan province, and Sumu lives in metropolitan Shanghai. Right. So, based on their different backgrounds, can you compare? their different relationships with Nushu. So one thing we noticed is with Hu Xin, you know, she seems to be coming to Nushu um, both because of her regional connection um, and um, her connections with He Yanxin, but also because of her own personal suffering, mm -hmm. you know, her relationship with her ex-husband, abuse that she survived. And then Simu seems to have a very different story, right? Seems mm -hmm. to be coming at Nushu from, from a different place. Can you kind of talk about that? Yeah. So I I mean, that's I it was kind of an intentional choice that I was casting one woman from the rural and one from the urban settings, mm -hmm. because you know, like for women in China, their challenges as women um of very different gender challenges are very different uh, from the rural area and from the city. But it was really, I mean, when I met Hu Xin for the first time, I remember we had a very long conversation and it was um, until the end that I start to hear from her that she was um, worried in a way that what if she is going to have a son and nobody's going to be, you know, taking care of Nushu and she has nobody that she can pass it on to. And I was like a bit confused by it because I was like, well, you can still do it. And why would you feel, you know, like there's, you can do it both. So, and, and I start to feel something about that, uh, her personal um, 
story there, but I didn't kind of like push her to uh, because it was our first encounter. And a couple of months later, when I called her, um, she uh, and I said that I want to come back and I want to talk to your husband. Um, and that was the time she started crying. She said he divorced me three days ago. So and that was instantly when I, I knew that, you know, um, I'm going to go visit her. And um, that's probably the lowest point of her life. And then after that, I knew that she's going to have a different relationship with Yushu, um, whatever that is. But, you know, what draws me for both of them, I think in a way is that deep inside, we're all struggling with our expectations from traditions, from cultures, from the definition of what is it, what does it means to be, you know, a woman mm -hmm. or a good woman, even especially in the Chinese kind of context. So I know that, you know, despite of where we are, either, you know, growing up in the rural or in a city, we're all struggling with that. It's just the level of that kind of struggles is might be different. I mean, for Hu Xing, because she divorced, you know, there's, you know, like people in the village kind of like has a different opinion about her. And it's also, it's, it's, you know, the stake of a woman being divorced in a village like that is much higher than, than elsewhere in China that they, they don't have much of an outlook of like what their life is going to be because people don't want to, you know, marry a divorcee. And, you know, mm -hmm. for her, she was really at a loss. And I could understand, you know, like even though a lot of people were saying when she said in the film that I really feel like a failure because, you know, like I don't have a husband, I don't have a child, you know, as a woman, I failed. And I really feel for that, especially as a Chinese woman, um, because of the stake and because of, you know, the surroundings that she's with. But but at the same time, you know, she has a very special role in Yushu because she's the speak spokesperson of Yushu and she's the youngest face of Yushu. So the survival of Yushu is kind of on her shoulder. But what does it mean of that survival? I think that she's she struggled a lot with it in the beginning when I met her. Um that you know there are part of Yushu that represent the past, but doesn't represent kind of the new look of woman that she is also trying to pursue. So I think that she's trying to balance in finding of what the new shoe that speak with her, that resonate with her. Um, and I think the journey of her with He Xing, of the sisterhood, sisterhood that they built together, which is so beautiful, kind of help her to anchor and find a new kind of way of understanding the power of new shoe through that sisterhood. And I think that's for her is is what anchored her and kind of like transformed her to a new place. Mm -hmm. um, and for Simu, I I think that Simu is probably the only person that I have met that is very fascinated and committed to have a relationship with neutral out of pure fashion instead of like the others who's trying to exploit it. Mm -hmm. And I think her leaning towards neutral in some ways is because she is trying to find a way to define where she is now from the past of the wisdom from these women. And because I felt like she was, she was also struggling very much in a way about, you know, how much she should sacrifice herself as a role to be a wife, to be a mother versus a person she want to be herself. And that struggle was very present, even when, she was engaged to her fiance when we first met her. Mm -hmm. um, and and I think that, 
you know, she was trying to find those wisdoms um, from women in the past. But also, um, I think she is she's making a lot of efforts having conversations with with other, you know, female artists, uh, particularly in Shanghai, in this group of, you know, curating the annual female artist exhibition that she's part of. And for her to develop her own voice is through the relationship with Nushu, um, to combine her passion for music and the wisdom of Nushu and find a middle ground to explore, like, what she felt like a new voice from her, but also has a resonance and connection to Nushu. So I, I think that she's always on the search for, for that, which is what really interests me. And, you know, her ideas about transforming Nushu in different art forms and finding her own way to inspire other women is something that I found deeply inspiring as well. Yeah, I mean, I I think that Violet, you're you're talking about this kind of intergenerational sisterhood, you know, that is showing up at multiple multiple points in the documentary. You know, and that makes me think of this one particular moment when Hu Xin's mentor, uh, Hu Yanxin, you know, she's saying, "quote Your new shoe is all about dancing. My new shoe belongs to chamber rooms." Do you think that there's a generational divide in terms of what Nushu means to an older generation versus a younger generation? Or do you think that, you know, these these concerns, are they able to sort of transcend age? I think what you quoted about that difference, it's not the difference of intergenerational, it's a societal change. Mm-hmm. And that's what I find it fascinating of how the societal change changes affects gender equality, affects the way that women are suffering in different kind of contexts of under different societies. So I mean the the part of like how Nushu is today through performing, through dancing is very much because we live in a very much of a capitalistic society in a way that everything is being exploited and also performative um in a way to attract attention from the audience from the consumers um to to kind of like turn that more into products to turn that more into market values so i think what she's referring to is that instead of like finding a way to really honor the legacy of Nushu. Mm-hmm. But I think that, you know, like for me, I think where, where the two women, um, the young women landed at the end of the film, that they did take over the legacy of Nushu in their own ways um, because they internalize it as part of their own experience. And that's very much the power of Nushu, the legacy of Nushu. In that sense, I think there is a consistency of that spirit, of that legacy. And I Mm -hmm. hope that in a way that it can um, continue to survive, um, hopefully the film can help with that too. Because if it's like, you know, like buried in this whole just commercialism kind of landscape of that, then yes, I mean, 
the 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 language itself can be printed as you know graphics and all that in a way that can survive but at the same time nobody knows what it truly means and that's truly tragic so and i hope that you know through the transformation of the two women in the film and hopefully many more through watching the film and also learning about yushu we can internalize it and also you know mm-hmm. continue to carry the legacy mm-hmm. it's interesting how you said that you know they they're internalizing the spirit of nushu while at the same time there's so many moments in the film where we see men in particular who are trying to extract the spirit of nushu to create something that is completely different that is is not nushu at all mm-hmm. so for you you know was part of your motivation in making this film to push back against this distortion of what nushu is by you know people who want to use it as a branding tool or to commodify nushu you know men's reaction to nushu kind of represent of where men are in their reaction to women so that's what i'm really trying to show through these scenes because either they take over nushu in their own interpretation or the commenting on what women's experiences is like this mm-hmm. um shows the bigger context of the experiences of women are living under and that's what i really wanted to show and i think that kind of pressure that kind of like <laughs> overpowering um sense of gender imbalances still exist in such a way and and the difference of understanding of gender is still like exist in such a way and you know like this is our everyday life of you know what men's reaction to us and i and i you know it's it's that but it's also you know i wanted to show that to also kind of present that in a way to help people to see that men are also trapped in their own kind of perception and expectations and also you know the cultural traditional kind of confinement of what men's role is so it's that and and you know just to show the vast difference of gender understanding between men and women still in today's society and how we can kind of move forward to include dialogue and conversations in between of us um so yeah i mean so that's 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 actually why that <laughs> Uh, those things are so vital to provide kind of like a larger context of where these two women's stories sit and um, sitting under. Yeah, I mean, and one of the other things about this documentary that was so striking for me was how we could describe different different terms to the film and and what you're doing as a filmmaker. Um, you know, I'm thinking in particular feminism. This concept, I think, it has this very different connotation in the United States versus China. You know, in the United States, I think that feminism, you know, especially uh, in a contemporary context, you know, it's sort of seen as as something, uh, you know, empowering. But from my own conversations with, uh, especially women living in China today, the notion of feminism is a, is a little bit more complicated. And so I'm wondering, do you see Nushu as as a feminist project, and and do you see the film itself as a feminist project? I didn't feel that at the beginning that I was making a feminism um, film. Mm. I think I was more making a film for women. And part of it is because feminism is a very specific term in Western world. And in China, Mm -hmm. it's a very different term. Um, It's a term that, you know, largely seen 
by men as a threat mm-hmm. um, for the entire society, including women as extremists, you know, like people who are extremely kind of pro-women's rights versus you know, a more balanced look. And you have to understand, like, we come from a, ch- a cultural um, that we look at things in a more balanced ways. And we felt like changes happen with a more balanced look at things. And it's not because of communists. It's it's really like for thousands of years, this is part of our cultural. And that's kind of defined who we are. So, I mean, when I make a film, I never really want to make men as antagonists. But I do feel the reason I'm making this film is because I felt injustice as women, you know, in, in a lot of uh, things that happened to us in, in most recent years. And it's it's not necessarily anybody's, anybody's fault, honestly. You know, like China's economy has grown up so fast and drastically. And we, because of that, you know, the gender income gap has become so large in a, in a lot of ways. And women are kind of like trapped and stuck in such a way that, you know, we're experiencing a lot more uh, pressures, economic pressures. And because of that also, you know, kind of the revival of calling us back to provide more, you know, childcare and then, you know, family duties. And th- those all come as a package, you know, like we're just like in a lot of times we're just stuck. And I think those kind of like a new things that's happening to our generation and even the younger generation, not necessarily my mom's generation, actually, is is something that I think it need us to take a closer look at it. And I don't want it to kind of like just easily label it's a feminism a movement, but it's basically things that need to be addressed to make it more balanced in terms of our gender relationship and gender balances and gender equality. So that's simply that why I started making this film. But the more that I look into it, the more that I feel like more need to be addressed. And then, you know, like it's it's personal. It's personal for all of us. So I, I think that, you know, I wanted to label it as a woman's film. Mm-hmm. Um, but I also know that the film connected so widely, not only just about women in China, but also, you know, women's rights movement in elsewhere in other countries as well. Because, you know, like capitalism exists in every and you know that kind of effect on gender equalities is something that I don't think we talk enough about and it's not just China you know it's even in like Nordic countries sometimes you know like when we show the film they're like oh you know like we don't even think enough about what you know the capitalism also you know affects us in that kind of way as well and you know it's that it's the culture that also plays a role it's the government you know it's it's the system it and it's how the cultural you know perception of how men sees us and how women sees ourselves so all of things these things are very complex to be unpacked and i hope that i don't like just scapegoat a very simple kind of reason of like why this happened uh instead that i'm hoping that this film can kind of showcase a multi-layered reasons of what what why this is happening and what's behind um the issue i would also you know say to that this film it takes place in china right it's exploring aspects of chinese history chinese society chinese chinese culture but you know at the same time as you mentioned i think that it it really does have such a broader reach beyond china you know in this current moment especially and so i think that for this film to shine light on you know this particular topic but then at the same time i think that it really feels very prescient especially you know with with other movements that are happening at this at this very moment whether we're talking about the brave women and men who are 
um, fighting for women's rights in Iran, activists fighting for trans liberation, racial justice, climate justice, as well as reproductive freedom. You know, these are issues that are really all connected to uh, the same kind of equality that you are underscoring in this beautiful film. Thank you. So how can people watch the film. So I know it was released in December. Yeah, so it's on TVA. So people can access it on Apple TV, YouTube and Google uh, through paid um, rental of the film. So it's accessible to everybody. Thank you all for listening to this episode of Of the Earth. If you enjoyed this podcast, please share with your friends and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Be sure to follow us on Instagram, Facebook, and Buzzsprout. Interested in becoming a patron to support our podcast? Please consider supporting us on Patreon, linked in our episode notes. Patreon members will receive special offers and bonus content. We are Of The Earth Podcast. <laughs>